For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome back to Believe in Softball. I'm your host, Jenna Becerra, and wow, what a regionals weekend. I don't know about you, but I watched 12 hours of softball pretty much each day this past weekend, and the coolest part is that we could do that in the first place, right? Every game was somewhere on the ESPN family of networks. It was just so fun to actually be able to watch everything, and the craziest part is that we were just getting started with postseason this past weekend. I'm still recovering, to be honest, (laughs) but we got Super Regionals this weekend before the Women's College World Series. And so we'll get into all that. But first, reminders for ways that you can keep up with us throughout it all. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Believe in Softball. That's B-L-E-A-V. Subscribe to Believe in Softball on YouTube and actually watch the episodes as well. All right, so let's go through today's order. First, we'll cover our bases. As usual, hit you with some news and updates in the softball world. Then we'll head into today's interview with Heather Tarr. She bleeds purple. She's a cornerstone coach in the Pac-12. I played against her, but I enjoy working with her covering games and programs in softball more. Let's put it that way. But for the foul tip of the week, that's where we'll end things. Our new segment this season where we share tips to help us get better. So let's do it. Covering our bases. It's mayhem. And for softball fans, it's hard to focus on much else. But there's lots going on in the sports world. You got college baseball and the MLB. You know I'm an Angels fan and that I love pitchers who hit. So it has been so fun watching Showtime this year. And it's also the NBA playoffs too. We got another bracket going on there as well. And Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. They have you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. So head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. With college softball, we got to talk about the regional recap. 
Just postseason parody. Let's start there. <laughs> you got Georgia, Virginia Tech, and JMU, who were all unseated in their regionals, coming out of it, going to Supers. So number nine, Tennessee, and number 15, ASU, not only did they not make it to Supers, they didn't even make it to the finals of regionals. And what was interesting is that it actually the teams that moved on from those regionals were not the ones who knocked them out, ultimately, with the double elimination that second game. Liberty knocked out the Lady Vols, and BYU knocked out the Sun Devils. Then we had four, if necessary, games across 16 regionals. You had Washington and Michigan, which was unbelievable, two games on Sunday. Texas and Oregon, same thing. I mean, burning the midnight oil here with both of those. LSU and Louisiana, Kentucky and Notre Dame. And all of these teams, including the ones that didn't end up winning, were ranked nationally in the latest coaches poll, except Notre Dame. So just keep in mind how strong these regionals were, which is why we got there in the first place. And to be honest with you, I mean, after what we saw from Michigan, the Big Ten champions, what they did and how much they gave Washington a run for their money, Oregon, same thing with Texas. I mean, we're talking about playing into the wee hours of the morning. Wichita State, Coach Patty Gasso from Oklahoma even said like, man, they really, it sucks that they had to come to Norman for regionals because they're too good. It's, it sucks that they had to run into Oklahoma right away. Same with Clemson with Alabama. You had Duke not being able to host with Georgia. These teams are really sort of too good for what they got in terms of the situation and what they had to do, where they had to go. Also pretty tough for Louisiana and Notre Dame. Like I said, like both of those teams really pushed it and are good teams. But then on the other side of things, so yes, we had the parody, but we also had some just crazy numbers, some records for regionals that Oklahoma put up specifically, I guess, for a number one seed. It's not a huge shock, but still pretty crazy. They scored 50 runs in regionals. That's a record. 24 runs in a single game in regionals. That's like a football score. And six home runs, which actually tied the single game record in NCAA postseason. So just just crazy. Like this is one of the best teams that we've ever seen. And I don't say that lightly. I would say with UCLA, I, some of the Pac-12 coaches have said this too, also one of the best teams we've seen in the last 15 years. So these are some teams, the one and two seed overall. It is... It is not normal. Like, these are next-level teams. But with, with all of this being said, I mean, I could go on forever about regionals and what went down, what we learned, all these kinds of things. Honestly, it's kind of what happened last week. Like, I had planned some other stuff, but I just couldn't not cover postseason fully. So we dedicated the whole episode to it. But if I had to summarize, I think my thoughts on what we learned from regionals is that parity is only growing in softball. And it's a good thing. You know, I said we might be surprised by the surprises, and it was true. Mid-major schools gave Power Fives a run for their money. I mean, even UCLA, I'm talking about how great they are. Like, Fresno State really pushed them to the brink, right? And I got to say, I did call that in last week's episode, and I'm not saying that because I want so much credit. It's because we have to pay attention to all of the teams in the tournament because anything can happen. The other thing is I know I'm not the only one who loves pitchers who can hit. I mean, Rachel Garcia needs no explanation or introduction. Valerie Cagle, Odichi Alexander, putting the team on her back. I just, I think this is the future of our game. You know, I 
that was me growing up being a pitcher who hit and played shortstop. And, and I loved it. I love being able to play all parts of the game. But now we're seeing it be more and more popular. And it just, it opens up options in the lineup for coaches. It's efficient in terms of recruiting. You get a pitcher and a hitter in one. And it's entertaining for fans. I mean, this is star power that we're seeing and it's gaining fandom, which is awesome. Another thing is that we have to keep holding each other accountable. So in a couple of ways in particular, we got to figure out the umpiring. You know, the strike zone was tight and inconsistent across regionals. We need instant replay clearly to avoid incorrect calls and calls that sometimes determine the outcomes of the game. We don't want to take the bat out of people's hands. We want to let it unfold on the field. But I think, you know, we have to have more investment in umpires as well. It's a thankless job and we can't do it without them. We have to have umpires in this game. So we need to invest in them as well to make this happen. But speaking of umpires, we always have to respect the game and the people as well. There was an incident this past weekend where coaches were speaking with umpires, been frustrated with some calls, having a conversation, and an Ole Miss player walked in the middle of their huddle and pushed one of the umpires. It's just not acceptable at any time. I don't care what's happening. And I saw softball Twitter collectively speak out against this behavior, which is good. Our love for this game is pure, and we always have to protect its integrity that's what we care about. Like this, that's what you do for something you love. It's also how you grow the game. Like that's what people love about it so much. So we got to do that. And I was glad to see that happening. We have to continue to do that. The other thing I wanted to say is that fans matter. The energy the teams got to feel having them back in the stands, especially the host teams that had their home crowds, it just hits different. And you could even see it and hear it and feel it on TV as much as you try to do it within yourselves and just create that energy as a player, as a team, as a coach, fans are one of those environmental things that can actually have an effect on the game because it has an effect on the players. It's just a different energy. And especially since we've been deprived of it for all this time, and we're going to see more of that in supers, which is pretty exciting. And speaking of supers, man, is there a lot to look forward to. I mean, there's a few conference matchups. You got Oklahoma State and Texas out of the Big 12 and a couple of SECs with Alabama, Kentucky, and Florida, Georgia. I feel like I have to play Florida, Georgia line the whole time, maybe, when I'm watching that Super Regional, just for fun. We'll see. But conference matchups in postseason are always interesting because there's advantages and disadvantages. I always talk about this when it comes to conference. You know them really well, but they also know you really well. And if we learned anything from regionals, it's that seedings don't matter once the first pitch is thrown. So I would not assume anything based on that or anything that's happened already this season up to this point. And I'm also really looking forward to LSU and Florida State. I mean, neither team was a conference champion, but both are good. They're ranked nationally, and they have top 10 national seeds in the bracket. You got Lonnie Alameda and Beth Tarina. I mean, they are both so fun to watch coach. You got Aaliyah Andrews flying around in the outfield. Amanda Scarborough is going to be on the call for ESPN, who's great. She's actually been in their shoes, right? So this is just shaping up to be a good one. So I'm looking forward to watching that. Then you got Adichie Alexander putting the JMU team on her back against a team that was denied eligibility for postseason last year and has a chip on their shoulder in Missouri. And they got some pitching too. So I think that's going to be interesting. You have a program steeped in tradition like Arizona, 
going up against Arkansas, who as a softball program is on the rise. So like, how do those two things collide? And then, yes, we don't have Duke or Clemson, but we still got more ACC representation with Virginia Tech. But then you got them running into the brick wall that is Rachel Garcia and Megan Framo, <laughs> you know? So these are the stories, though. We come for the game, but we stay for the stories. Sports are so special in that way. And softball is, in my opinion, one of the best when it comes to this. I said, as if you're a player in a team, you're not thinking about anything like that. You're just trying to focus on the task at hand. But for everyone else, people covering it, like me, people watching, just fans, whatever, there's more to it than that. The stories are where it's at. So with that being said, all eyes are on Washington and Oklahoma. Their game on Saturday will be on ABC, 3 p.m. ET, I believe. And it's believed to be the first time that softball has been on one of the big four networks. Now, should these two teams be facing each other this early? No. (laughs) It's a side effect of the controversial seeding in the bracket that we've been over after the selection show. But it's going to be good. Like Gabby Plain going up against Oklahoma's offense. I mean, this is... World Series stuff in May. And it's going to be showcased to an even larger audience. So this is a huge opportunity for our game to have more people discover it, see what we love about it, and get hooked the way we all already are. And seeing some World Series stuff in regionals already, let alone supers, I mean, this is going to be, it's going to be good. And if if you know Heather Tarr and Patty Gasso, you've seen how they roll over the years, get your popcorn ready. I, I can't wait. And we actually get to talk to Coach Tar herself and hear it straight from the source. So enough for me. Let's go ahead and head into the interview. When you think of Husky softball, you think of her. She's the head coach and the winningest coach of any sport in Washington history, a Husky alum herself and Team USA assistant coach, Heather Tar. Thank you for joining, Heather. Thanks, Jenna. It's a pleasure to be on here with you and We're excited to get things going this week and see how good we can get through this experience. Oh my gosh, I have a million questions for you. I have to say too, I I think I enjoy working with you sort of on this media side more than playing against you back in the day. So (laughs) I know. I'm glad to not see your name on a scouting report and (laughs) try to figure out how to get you out. It's it's a it's a better experience, I agree. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah. So this is this is much more fun for sure. Um, but yes, yeah, so much to talk about, like lot, lots going on. Congrats on regional champions first and foremost. Yes, it was a challenge as you all saw and saw the seedings unfold. And, um, you know, nobody has an easy regional and everybody has a, a team or few teams in there that concern you and all that. But I think the biggest thing for us was we were a little bit surprised being a 16 seed. I mean, we never wanted anybody to think like we were being disrespectful or ungrateful for the opportunity to compete. But you just, I think in this year, we really truly believe we, we did what we needed to do to finish second in the PAC 12 and um, earn a number two seed or uh, not a number two seed, but we thought we could earn it a top eight seed. But when we didn't see our name in there for that, we were like, okay, well we can, you know, maybe, go on the road for super regionals if we win regionals and uh, not seeing your name for about 60 teams. We were kind of like, wow, this is not what we expected. We thought differently, but uh, yeah, it was a, it was a pretty big surprise, but we knew we'd have 
a tough road, but facing Michigan and regionals being, you know, they had the ERAs that they had and the pitching that they have, it was a little bit um, daunting, if you will. And we were very proud to be able to come out of that regional and win it. Oh yeah. I mean, it was fun to watch. You guys were literally burning the midnight oil there at the end to, to get the win. But I mean, I guess in a way it's like, how, how could you better prepare for supers for the world series than facing a team like that and beating them twice, which is not easy at all. Yeah. And, and, you know, facing our local regional opponents in Seattle, U and Portland state, uh, it was one of those regionals where we actually played everybody in the regional, which is nice. Um, and, and, uh, it, it was this challenge, you know, Michigan's really good and they're a storied program and being able to get out of there with the familiar foes and, and, you know, Michigan is a familiar foe too, to us, but being able to, to earn our way through that was, was fun and, and cool to watch, even for those that had to watch at midnight. <laughs> I mean, I stayed up for it, although a little easier on the West coast, but I was like, nope, got to see how this ends. So yes, for sure. <laughs> but I mean, you were not the only ones surprised at where you landed in terms of national seating. I remember talking to you before your last series against Stanford too. And you guys were like, yeah, we're trying to host not one more time, but two more times, right? Like that's what we're looking forward to or hoping for. So I guess my question is how did you feel in the moment about the walkout, but then how did you fight through that to just get it done against Michigan? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's a weird thing being, part of our program, knowing what we've been able to do the last three years, four years, and having those experiences from going, um, you know, getting back to the World Series for the first time in a while in 2017 with Ali Aguilar and Casey Stengel's class. And then the next year, like backing it up and then finishing second, losing the national championship game to Florida State and then getting back again in 2019. Um, you just like, again, like we kind of expect to be a top eight seed. That's what our, that's what we play for. That's how we compete. And so you see all the reactions and everybody cheering and you're kind of like, man, like it kind of sucks because you don't have those feelings of in a good way, like a cool way. You set yourself up for only disappointment in a, in a <laughs> odd way. And so like, yeah, we're the whatever seed. But again, like when you didn't see your name for 60 teams, you're like, wait a minute, like maybe we're not even in, like, could that be a thing? And so as we went through it and saw, um, you know, the other conference uh, teams be seated, uh, Arizona State and Arizona, you know, you're kind of like, whoa, like what, what happened? Like, what did we do? What, what didn't we do? And then our team kind of looks back at me in the room, like, what, huh, huh, you know, and sis and them are all like, what, what's going on? And Morgan, you know, they're kind of like, what do we do? I'm like, well, you could, you can cheer, you can be excited, you can not be excited, you can act how you want to act. Like you can walk out of the room, do what you want. And the idea came to everybody like, well, when our name gets said, let's just hear it. And normally we turn off the selection show once our name is announced. Um, and at least we know who we're playing because we just kind of like, all right, shut it down, shut the show off. Let's go. We don't necessarily like overly embellish what everybody's saying about everybody else. Normally we just turn it off. Well, it just came to be like, we were going to hear our name. And we already knew the other three teams because it's like the last cards in the deck. You know, the after we got named, it was like Michigan won the Big Ten. They have to be in. Seattle, you won the WAC. They have to be in. Portland State won the Big Sky. We knew the last four cards were us. So we were kind of like, well, <laughs> it's what it is. We know what it is. Let's go. And so 
again, like we didn't want to seem as like disrespectful, but we felt like our conference was absolutely disrespected <laughs> in the moment. And it was kind of a sad feeling in, in, in that way. And we responded how we felt um, at the time. Yeah. I mean, I think it's authentic and I didn't feel like it was disrespectful. I felt like you were disrespected and were reacting to it. Obviously there's some bias being a Pac-12 alum myself, of course, but you know, when you do look at the bigger picture of this season, I mean, again, it was all over softball Twitter. It's not like it was just you guys that were feeling this way, you know, like it was, it was the talk of the town, but it is so interesting too, because you do have to balance just focusing on your task at hand, which that's, I mean, it makes total sense. Yeah. Shut the TV off. We, we know what we got to do. Right. But then you also have to think bigger picture, which I know a lot of the PAC 12 coaches, for example, are talking about, which is like, how do we get better exposure? How do we, you know, really get that respect back to the pack? So I guess for you, it's like, what do you feel like the, the problem is right now? And what do you think the solution could be? Yeah, I think the big the big thing is, and, and I think as just a program, Washington itself, like we've always found a way to play the RPI game, the strength of schedule game. But this year was a little bit odd in that, you know, we kind of, the the Judy Garman tournament or the Mary Nutter tournament that we're traditionally in that really builds that RPI that kind of cross pollinates our schedule throughout, you know, the pre-conference. We really pick up those RPI points and play that game. But we were told, um, we thought that RPI wasn't going to be as big of a, a way in. And then as a conference, we made a choice like to commit, okay, we'll play four games to build our RPI. Well, all things considered, we thought that was going to do the trick, um, but it didn't. So moving forward, the PAC 12 has to deepen its opportunities to get those RPI points. And RPI ultimately is based on geography. It's ge it's a geographical equation and it's winners. It's the winners that play the winners, that play the winners, that play the winners. And so if you can siphon those points, geographically speaking, you can play the RPI game. So all the conf all of our conference has to play that game a little bit better. And we know West Coast wise, even if you look at a population map, there's not, it, it's definitely like you could, you could overlay those two maps, population map and RPI map, and you see, oh, you got to go where the population is. And division one schools, the majority of them are east of the Mississippi. And you, you, we have to play the game a little bit better. I don't know if it's as much exposure, you know, um, it, it, it is, I mean, definitely if you're on TV more, if you are, sh you know, shown more, it's easier for committee members to watch. I think the coaches polls, they're the coaches polls, but the coaches know who, you know, who the people are. Right. We, we know we are, we're not going to rank somebody that shouldn't be ranked when you do the coaches polls, but those are just coaches polls. So they don't matter. Um, but out of respect for the athletes and the coaches and the programs, the committee needs to, they need to just be well-educated. So if you're being well-educated by what is just put in front of you, you're not going to give the system its justice it needs. You have to dig deeper. And so do we need more coaches on the committees? Yes. To protect the integrity of just how the seatings work, you, you, they just need to be respectable. You know, right. like you don't have to like it, but you have to be able to respect it. And so how you respect it is just like anything that, that does a good job. You have to do your research. You have to be thorough. You have to ask the right questions. And if that was done this year, then we need to really change something. Um, but you know, it's with 
with uh, football and basketball for the Pac-12, you're seeing, you know, a little bit of a disparity now between haves and have-nots. And the Pac-12 is probably a have-not because we don't have that major network that carries us. Um, but then again, we have to win and you have to win and you have to win. And, you know, you can't complain and not win, if that makes sense. So, <laughs> it does make sense. The chicken or the egg. So how do you how do you solve it? But, you know, on a little bit of a soapbox right now, softball is in its own little category. And I think administratively, you can't categorize us as a non-revenue sport. I mean, if you really want to do your work, we as a conference have to actually see there's a market. Don't put us in the corner. We are marketable. As evidenced by, you know, this Saturday's game, we will be on ABC for the first time ever a softball game is put on ABC. What an opportunity for our sport. But I don't think we should be seen as this non-revenue thing anymore. I completely agree. Like softball is huge. Like even when it is put on TV, the ratings are crazy and they're comparable to like these professional men's sports, right? Like we're, we're well beyond what I think maybe to your point we're categorized as, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So, I mean, this is, this is all right. And I think you're right. Yeah. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Like softball mm-hmm. needs to, <laughs> we need to be in that limelight, but it's tough. Again, it's like, you have to balance you as a coach. You have to think about those big picture things, but then you also have to think about, you know, super regionals, like what's, what's yeah. coming up next. So it's, 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 I'd imagine it's very challenging because then you're yeah. also recruiting and at the same time. There's so much going on. Totally. And then, yeah, just to add to that, if I can, like, um, Kelly from UCLA head coach and, you know, Hutch, like, and even Patty Gasso right now, like people are speaking out about this. And I, I so respect that on behalf of the sport, because if, if not you, then who, is going to speak out. And sometimes it, it comes with a little bit of backlash or whatever, but I think it's time that we as a softball group be a little bit strategic for ourselves and get after it a little bit. I don't know if you saw the Washington post article that Hutch posted on Twitter or, or, you know, put out there on Twitter and who knows, I don't know enough to know enough about that. But again, I mean, yes, it's NCAA sports and we're kind of all in the bucket um, but no disrespect to any other sport out there, but softball is a damn good show and people know it, like you say, and people that don't know, they know it, don't know, they know it, but when they know it, they figure out, I know this, I like this, I'm intrigued <laughs> by this, you know, it's a good product, yeah, you know, and like, that's where it starts. It's like, sometimes like you try to sell something and it's not a good product. It's a little hard, but softball is a good product. Like everything is there for this to just continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, agree. It's it's a beautiful sport. It's a beautiful sport for TV and and the ESPN and Meg Ronowitz and her crew have done such a good job of making it what it is and they've just nurtured it and grown it to the point where it deserves to become something where you know the rights are bought in a greater way um, for softball. And I don't know how trapped we are as a sport right now with the TV networks and all that. And maybe that's just out of our control, but you know, it's a, it's a cool opportunity for us right now as a sport to continue to talk about these things and 
leverage it for our student athletes and the people that play this game that have laid the foundation and all that stuff. So I'm excited to be involved. It's awesome. Yeah. I mean, when I think back to when I was playing and it was mostly like game tracker where you're just looking at like this field and a digital little stick figure, like moving across the bases to now where every single regional game is somehow streamed on TV, all that stuff. It is, it's unreal. So like on the one hand, it's like, I think we're all grateful for this, but we also know how far we can go. So we want to keep pushing to get there. Yeah. It's, it's cool. My, um, one of my family members posted something or sent me a post that she put out on in 2013, we we're at Missouri for super regionals. We had, uh, had to go there on the road and she was putting out there on Facebook. Hey, if you want to watch the game, you need direct TV and you need this to watch it. Whereas now, like you're saying, well, Hey, can you turn it to a ABC on two o'clock central time on Saturday? And you're going to be able to watch this. The access is unreal. It's pretty cool. It's awesome. That's awesome. But I've noticed too, in within that access, in a lot of interviews that you do or your team does, like Sis Bates just said it, you know, we just need to play Husky softball, right? And that makes sense. Like that's what you have to focus on. But what what is that? What is Husky softball? What does that mean? Our way of playing softball is playing the game with its truest, in its truest form was one pitch at a time. And with great defense and dominant pitching and timely hitting and really truly playing for your team and playing for each other. That's really what Husky softball is. So centering ourselves back from like the big to then the like more minute, what do you actually have control of? And then doing that every single day, whether that's in life, in class, in your personal life, you know, that's really what we're trying to do and be that in all things. So yeah, Sis Bates, said it perfectly. It's just play it one pitch at a time, play our game, do our thing, control what we can and let that take control for us. That is all you can do. It's a lot easier said than done. It's very simple, but not necessarily easy, but you guys make it look easy, which is pretty cool. Yeah. The simplexity of it all is the beauty of it. I love that because I think a lot about like, oh, this is a really simple thing, but it's not very easy. Simplexity. I love that. I'm going to have to keep using that moving forward. Yeah, we had, to, we had to know where it came from, at least at least from where I got it from is Ken Revisa, the sports psychologist who's recently passed away. But from, from him, that's where we got that. That's awesome. Yeah, that's spot on. Oh, man, I'm still like absorbing that because that's, that's perfect. But then when you factor in the mighty are the women piece to it mm-hmm. all. I've asked, for example, like Daniel Laurie, when she was on the show and Victoria Hayward, like, what does that mean exactly? You know, and they've, they've kind of given me a general idea, but for you, what does that mean? Well, you know, the origin of Mighty Are the Women, it comes from our fight song, Bow Down to Washington. So in, in the song, the verse is Mighty Are the Men Who Wear the Purple and the Gold. Joyfully, we welcome them within the victor's fold, so on and so forth. And so it has since been gender neutralized to mighty are those who wear the purple and the gold, but mighty are the women came out as a hashtag from somebody that was running our social media account brilliantly a few years ago. And it became kind of a hashtag and it's kind of, you know, for the times, which is really cool. I mean, I think at that time we were one of very few schools that had a woman in the presidency, which we still do a female AD a female head coach. So it was kind of cool for the time, but I think Mighty Are the Women is fitting for everybody. I mean, everybody can embrace it and and use it for their own ways, but Mighty Are the Women is like, yeah, let's go loud and proud. Be you, be who you are. You're equal. 
you deserve opportunity. You deserve to be poured into. Yes. And I would add to that list that you just said, the winningest coach in Washington history in any sport is a woman, is you, right? So like, yes, there are so many perfect examples of that within the program. That's awesome. I did not know that that was the backstory. They told me what you said, sort of that, you know, it means you can do what you want. You're strong, all of those things. But I didn't realize that there was more to it. So that was, that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They, we, we got to kind of like get that out there. So everybody knows the message, right? No. Yeah. Um, but it can mean anything to anybody, you know, whatever you want it, whenever, whatever you want it to mean is what it is. But I had an awesome example, you know, including my own mom, you know, she's my example of a mighty woman. I see that every single day. And then the coach I got to play for Teresa Wilson, who built our program at Washington. I mean, she is that to me. So there have been examples. And so I hope to be that example for whoever follows me and, you know, the legacy that I get to leave behind myself. Well, I think, I think you already, you are, you have been already. Uh, I I know like when I talked to Vic Hayward, I asked her about some Heatherisms, like what are some go-to, you know, quotes or things that you would always say. And the one that stuck out to her, Gabby said this as well when she was on the show, but how you do anything is how you do everything. And that really stuck with me too. I was like, you know what? Yes. I I hadn't thought of it in that particular way, like articulated like that, but that's a, that's a great one. Yeah. Thanks. It was, I stole that actually from our volleyball coach from a long time ago, Jim McLaughlin, who left a pretty big legacy behind him um, in Utah volleyball, but I saw it on his whiteboard. He was like a man of a whiteboard. And so if you walk through heck ed where they play in practice, uh, you can see the, the things that he's about on his whiteboard. So occasionally I just go and be like, I wonder what that means. I wonder what that means. And he had that quote and I think it was left unknown. I, I there wasn't a, you know, it said unknown. And so I was like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Like we talk about, we practice like we want to play so that when we play, we can just revert to our practice and how we compete. And then you look at, well, like, Oh, I don't like my professor. Oh, I don't like this teacher. Well, Hmm. Well, I don't like this umpire and I don't like this mound. And I don't like this bat. It's like all those things are the same. It's like compete, just compete everywhere you are. Know it's about competing. And, and it's really just about being your best each moment in each day in every single thing you do. Yeah, it's it's awesome. I mean, it's it's so cool. And the other thing is, though, is like you've instilled that in so many players and you recruit globally. So like the people I even mentioned so far, Daniel Laurie, you know, Vic Hayward, they're in Team Canada. There's Gabby, who's played with Australia, right? Like, but then there's you coaching with Team USA, and now you have to play against all these players eventually, yeah. like in, in the Olympics, that you've been, you know, coaching up. So how, how is that when you actually have to go against those UW family members? Yeah, I know. It's my own fault, right? Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's just cool. I mean, again, like, just what an opportunity to be able to recruit those kind of people and to have those women representing our program um, and being, you know, from all walks of life and all places. It's, it's just such a, a neat thing to be able to see. And then who's next, you know, like wh- how does this influence what happens next? And, you know, I'm a local player. I came from our locale here at in Seattle and from Redmond, Washington. And so I have a lot of pride in, in Washington and even helping grow the sport within our own state. Um, and now there's players in our own state on all kinds of rosters. You know, you see Kiki Malloy at, at Tennessee, Maddie Morgan at 
Alabama. I mean, there's just like all kinds of awesome players on every roster. You know, we try to keep the ones that are supposed to be at UW and with us. Um, but fortunately, we're able to kind of have a pretty wide base of recruiting, like you said. And so uh, we do claim Daniel Laurie as a Pacific Northwest person product because she just comes from two hours north across the border. But Victoria's from Toronto. And of course, Gabby's from Sydney. So we definitely claim the globe. Yeah, I, I love it. I mean, I think it's a clear indication of how global the sport is, you know, like we focus on the States a lot, but, and the reason, the fact that it wasn't in the Olympics for so long and, and all the, you know, reasonings why and all that kind of stuff. But we talked about kind of exposure for the PAC 12 and for Washington and all that stuff. But now here's exposure for softball again, finally being back on this stage and you're going to get to be a part of that, which is awesome. Yeah, it's, it's cool. And kind of like you said, you, you want the product to be able to sell itself and to be able to showcase itself. And, you know, there might've been, there might be an argument out there like, why, well, why now? Why not, you know, five years ago or what have you, but it's, it's ripe and it's ready for it to be seen on that stage. And I'm proud to be one of the teams that gets to be on that um, and be able to compete against a great opponent like Oklahoma. So how do you get ready now? Like you, you won regionals, right? We're now in the middle of it. There's super regionals ahead of you. People are still talking about the seating and all that kind of stuff. How are these two teams meeting now and not the World Series, blah, 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 right? But how, do you, how are you guys preparing for it? Yeah, we're leaving today. The team is on a plane right now. I'll catch up with them tomorrow. Had a few things I needed to take care of here uh, in, in Washington. So the team's gone and they're going to acclimate to the time zone. Um, our regionals were later. Um, as you saw, we played at night mostly. And so these games are going to be more in the day. So they'll be a lot earlier for us so we can get acclimated to the time, to the the heat. Um, it looks like it's not going to be that hot. Uh, we've been to Oklahoma when it's been hotter, but it's definitely an adjustment. You know, we kind of play in like our West Coast environments are pretty cush, like 65 <laughs> degrees and overcast is kind of nice <laughs> softball weather. But our our teams are going to be there tonight and getting some work in and getting ready to put our best selves out there and get after it on Friday. Well, I can't wait to watch. I cannot wait to watch you guys. It's been fun watching you all season long, but this is kind of its own season, right? And postseason. So I'm excited. I'm excited. Yeah. Good luck to you guys. Thank you. Yeah. What an opportunity. I mean, if, if, if not now playing Oklahoma, when, you know, I mean, we know now that both teams can't make it to the college world series, sadly enough. And okay. <clears throat> we'll put our best, like I said, out there and look forward to the opportunity to competing against Oklahoma at Oklahoma. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Well, I wanted to wrap up with a quick little game that I play with everybody that comes on the show. It's called safer out. And Basically, I'll bring something up, and if you like it or you agree with it, you call it safe. If you don't, you call it out. Does okay. that make sense? Yeah, okay. I can do this. <laughs> okay. Um, video bombs from players during mid-game coach interviews. Out. Out? <laughs> Have you been burned before? I Not yet, but we kind of just, you know, I think there's some antics there and some <laughs> things, and we're not made for TV. We're made to compete. and some of those interviews sometimes, you know, you had to talk to me during the during the games. It 
They're just like, okay, we'll do it for show. We'll do it for TV, but we're not made for TV. We, we're made here to compete and play our game. And if TV wants to show us, let's do it. But philosophically, I haven't let my guard down on that yet. Totally. Makes sense. Like it's, it's awesome for fans. Cause you know, there's a peek into it and all that stuff, but also you're like, we're a little busy right now, <laughs> which is fair. Okay. Yep. Well, kind of along those lines, um, props in the dugout, like for rallies and stuff like that, safer out. Same, 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 yeah. same. Like rally your mind. Let's, you know, keep the props to <laughs> the, uh, you know, I don't know. The hobby lobbies. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think, it, you know, we're entertained enough just like watching Sis Bates play shortstop too. I don't, we don't need the props to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, agree. Let the game be the prop. <laughs> All right. Last one is bat flips. Safer out. I'm, I'm going to go into video review for that one because <laughs> I think, you know, in, in a way like compete, like if that's your outlet to compete, go for it. I don't, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with it. If that's you, do it. If it's not you, then don't try to do things that aren't you. Yeah. Very fair answer. Very fair. All right. Well, that was it. So, all right. A cup, mostly outs. So clearly a defensive game for you. Like <laughs> That makes sense. You got cis baits. You got such a great defense all over. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> yeah, I know. It tends to be the case, right? <laughs> well, thank you again for joining. This is awesome. I really appreciate Thanks. it, especially I know it's crazy time right now. So this is really cool to get to chat with you. Well, thanks for, for doing what you do and appreciate all that you do for softball and looking forward to seeing you on into the future. What a treat to talk with Coach Tar, especially at this point in the season. I mean, let me tell you that time in between regionals and super regionals is important. You're celebrating the success you had in regionals but you can't dwell on it very long because you only have a few days to get your mind right, get some reps in, travel, and compete in supers. First spot in Oklahoma City. So it's weird. It's like you've been through a lot already, but you still have a long way to go at the same time. Super interesting perspective, but getting to take a step back and talk about the game with her was also awesome as it just continues to grow. So with that, let's transition to the foul tip of the week. This week's foul tip is about emptying the tank. And in its simplest form, emptying the tank means to give it your all, don't hold back. Use all the energy and fuel you have in the tank to pursue what you're pursuing. And I think a lot of people look at this at a high level and believe it means to give 100% all the time. Give your best self every day. There's some truth to that, but I think there's a little more to it. How do you put yourself in a position to do that? First, I think we have to recognize that it's not possible to be perfectly at your best 100% of the time, but it's important to give 100% of whatever you do have in the tank. So for example, in college, our team conditioning, one of the things we did was called ESD, which stands for Energy System Development. It was essentially circuit training with 20 plus stations in the weight room, you know, one for each player. Each station, we would go as hard as we could for 12 seconds, whatever that exercise was. Then we'd rest for 24 seconds before starting the next station. You do four rounds of that around the world. And let me tell you, 12 seconds is longer than it sounds when you're literally going as hard as you can. Doing the ropes, mountain climbers, versa climbers, short sprints, I mean, you name it. It's, it doesn't sound like very long. It is when you're doing it. And if you're giving your all at every station, if you think about it, it's not possible to have the same amount of energy on the last station 
as you did on the first station. If you're burning energy, you're burning some of your fuel. So the point is to give 100% of whatever you got left. You only have 50% left in the tank, give all of it. Give 100% of that 50%. And by the end of ESD, we had all emptied the tank. The second thing is, is that you have to fill your tank to empty it. You know, cars, for example, they only run on E for so long before they stop working. You got to complete the cycle and fill it back up. And people are the same way. The first thing we do after ESD, other than clean up the weight room, of course, was recovery. We'd lay down, put our feet up on the wall to help our circulation. We'd immediately start filling the tank back up. And we wouldn't do ESD every day either. We'd do it twice a week, get some breaks in between as well. Because physically training seven days a week without rest and recovery for your body is counterproductive. We've talked about it before on the show with our different tips. Working too and spending a ton of mental energy seven days a week without breaks and self-care can be counterproductive. You can't run on an empty tank. So take time to prioritize things that help you fill it. When I played things like ice baths, foam rolling, and off days, off days were hard for me too. Like I'm very competitive, very detail-oriented, so it was hard to just step away. But they're important. And even now, when I'm working as a professional, I do things like journaling, go on a walk, call a family member or a friend, read or watch a show just for fun. And these help me fill back up. But it's an active thing. I mean, it's funny because some of these things are a little bit passive, but you have to actively set aside the time for that recovery. The third thing is that everyone's tank is their own. Everyone's different. What fills someone else's tank might be different than what fills yours. And that's okay. Some cars take different gas than others. Some get more miles to the gallon. Some are electric for crying out loud, right? Humans are different too. So just recognizing what you need and what's best for you allows you to give your all with what you have in that moment. So that's it. Empty your tank. That's the foul tip of the week. You've been listening to Believe in Softball presented by Bet Online. The show is available anywhere you get your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, wherever else you listen, including Believe.com. And you can watch the videos on YouTube as well. So hit that subscribe button, rate the show, write a review, share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Believe in Softball. Again, B-L-E-A-V. You can always, always reach out to me on Twitter as well. I love it, at JennaBacera01 and Instagram at JennaBacera2. So thanks for listening and catch you soon. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.